So let me welcome you to Kessid. Uh, you're in a series right now called Dragons and Dandelions, and the series is, is, has been really straightforward, but the outpouring or result of the series has been much, much more than we ever expected. The series breaks down like this. Dragons and Dandelions is a teaching series built around learning to face through Christ and together the big and small, difficult to overcome struggles within our lives. So the principle is like this. There are things within all of our stories, whether they be small things like dandelions or dragons that roar from the skies above that just stay with us, that no matter how far into our adulthood or into our careers or into our maturity or our own knowledge, we still seem to come out and look upon the yard of our soul and see a dandelion there again, this thing that's tracking us, this thing that's hard to kill. Or we get to a new place and we think we finally got rid of the dandelions and overhead flies one of those dragons, one of those things that just causes us to go, ah, I don't know about this. Church for a lot of people is like that. Church has hurt a lot of people. Church has messed up a lot of people. Pastors have messed up a lot of people. Uh, uh, Christians have messed up a lot of people. We all have these dragons and dandelion kind of things within our stories. And this series has been a series built around dealing with that and walking that out and trying to understand that from an emotional health perspective. Today is unique because today we're going to deal with only one of the two. Today we're going to deal just with dragons. We're going to deal just with the big and looming things, the things that just stop us right in our tracks, the thing that just ends us on our path towards wholeness and health. Now, it doesn't mean that we're all dealing with the same thing because to some people, a a dragon is a dandelion and a dandelion is a dragon. But today, as I'm talking to you, what I'm going to ask is that you filter everything through what you perceive to be your dragon. If you don't know what your dragon is, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit prompts you today prompts you. It could be dad stuff, mom stuff. It could be money stuff. It could be security stuff. It could be uh, politics. It could be religion. It could be education. It could be art. It could be anything and everything. It could be abuse. It could be trauma. It could be addictions. It could be jealousy. It could be rage. It could be anything that keeps you from not belonging to something more than yourself. That's what your dragon is. And that today is what we're going to talk about. This Take some effort, by the way. And if you decide to, you can unplug right now emotionally from the service, and you'll get nothing more than just whatever I could squeeze in in this first three minutes. But if you're willing to risk with me and step into a place to really ask big questions about your life, what are the dragons? What are the emotional hurdles? What are the emotional burdens in my story? Then like last service, I think you might be impacted deeply by what God wants to show you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I heard last service that when I said this next sentence, I had a few people shake their heads no, and I, I enjoy that kind of thing because then I, when I show you in the Bible that it's a yes, then you have to stop shaking your head and agree with the knowledge that I just perceived. So let's try this again. The word dragon, this is the statement, appears 21 times in the Old Testament King James Version. Wow. 21 times. In the Old Testament King James Version. So we're going to stick with the Old Testament King James Version, 80% of today's talk, so that we can understand this word dragon, this animal, this fierce creature. Now we need to remember that the Bible was originally translated into English long before the word dinosaur was coined, back when scientists called great reptiles dragons. So it makes a lot of sense. 
But I heard last service there was a few spokes. I, 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 someone came and said it was really enjoyable because a lady, when I said that, t- turned to her husband and she's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, there's no, there's no dragons in the Bible. There's no dragons. There's no unicorns. There's no Care Bears. What church did you bring me to? What church did you bring me to? And then when I said King James Version and she flipped on her iPad and found it, she had to look at her husband and be like, this church is awesome, right? So that's, 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 that's how I perceive the conversation went. They're Forever Life members, even though I don't know who they are. Now, this is what's really interesting about this word dragon. The word was always used in Scripture with, this, with really one goal in mind. Every single time of the 21 times the word is used, it only had one goal in mind. And that was to show the great and mighty power of the Lord. To show the great and mighty power of the Lord. That's the only time the word is ever used. And it's used in two different scenarios. Only in two different repeating scenarios. Here's an example of each in context. The first example is a psalm. Psalm 148.7. Again, King James Version. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all the deeps. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all the deeps. That's the first scenario that the word is used. The second one is also a psalm, Psalm 91.13. It says, you shall tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon, you trample under feet. There are no other ways the word dragon is used in the Bible outside of these two themes. So that's what we're going to unpack this morning. These verses ultimately really represent the two ways in which we can approach struggle or dragons in our lives. That's really what the two verses are representing, the two different ways we can approach these big obstacles in our lives that that every single person in this room face together. And this is very important because what it's showing us is how God chooses to meet us when we turn to face the largest roaring problems within our stories. This is what the word dragon in scripture is showing us in two different scenarios, how God chooses to meet us when we turn to face the largest roaring problems within our stories. That's exactly what we're going to unpack, and that's exactly what we're going to walk into today, and I want you to come with me fully. I want you to put yourself there. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it. I promise you, as deep as we go, I will get us back out, but you got to come with me because this is going to, this is going to impact some of you. It's going to frustrate others, Some of you, you're just not going to like me at all by the end, but I'm not here for you to be liked or me to be liked. I'm here to show you what I believe the Lord wants to teach you today about these things in your life that just won't go away. Let's look at the first verse, Psalm 148, 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all deeps. Here, dragons represent the things standing with or for God. These are the things that God has overcome. These are things that display his glory in a mighty way. Look at Isaiah 43.20. Again, King James Version. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Job 40.15-20 says, Behold, behemoth which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength is in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God, the first 
of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword. You may say, that, why, why would you refer to that as a dragon? Because in just a few, just a few verses later, or a few verses earlier, it says this, out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth like coals and flame goeth out of his mouth. In his neck remaineth strength and sorrow, listen to this phrase, is turned into joy before him. This is not something to be afraid of, this behemoth. This is not something to be afraid of, this fire-breathing dragon. It's something that God says, look what I did. Look how awesome this is. Who in you, who here with a sword can mess with this? And if you don't think, if you realize you can't mess with this, of course you know you can't mess with me because I am so awesome. Like, look how magnificent it is. Look at, its, look at its thighs and look at its tails and look at the, the thundering of its feet. Look how powerful it is. And guess what? I made that. I am God. Look at my dragon. Look how awesome this is. Now, what a lot of us don't realize about these dragons that stand alongside us, these dragons that God uses to bring glory to himself, is that we are offered them every single day within our lives. We are offered them within our worship and our woundings. When we come before God, we never worship at an equal place. This is why some of you struggle with worship, and I'll unpack this for you. I, I don't want to unpack this for you, but you should understand that if you struggle with worship, it's probably because it's really hard to worship something you find equal to you and your own wisdom. Whew. That is offensive if you let it soak in. If you're like, ah, eh, worship's not really my thing. Well, of course not, because who wants to worship something equally as cool as them? When you worship something is when it stomps by 45 feet tall and looks at you like, should I kill you? Maybe tomorrow. And you're like, oh, whatever. This is why people struggle to worship God, because you can't even connect God to the mightiness of the, of the redwood tree or the vastness of the ocean. You can't connect those things. So when people talk about God, you're like, yeah, God's silly to me. He doesn't make a lot of sense to me. God doesn't care if he makes sense to you. God, you, what does that mean? Like now we're back in this idea that you have truth within you that somehow has to be explained when in reality Jesus says, I am the truth. Everything else is measured against me. No wonder you're so out of rhythm and out of harmony in your life. No wonder you are a walking cacophony of noise. But this is not... That was good, wasn't it, Aaron? Did you... Was that... You, <laughs> woo! I heard Aaron take a breath after that sentence. He's like... Whoo, whoo. I'm smelling salt out. Here we go. No wonder you struggle to find rhythm within your life when you can't even see the rhythms God already put in place to remind you why he's worthy of your worship. This is why it's so important for you to see through your worship and your woundings that these are dragons. These are beautiful things inside your story that God wants to use. You say, I don't understand. How are my woundings dragons? Because there is no one better to talk to a struggling addict than an overcoming addict. There's no one better to talk to that than tell them, go, oh, I know what that feels like. There's no one better to talk to somebody who's in an abusive relationship than someone who's overcome abusive relationships. There's no one better to talk to a, someone who's a failure in any area, you fill in the blank, than someone who's been a failure, you fill in the blank. 
These are the things in your life that you get to say glory to God. I understand exactly what you're dealing with. I understand your hookup with logic. I understand your hookup with emotion. I understand your hookup with messed up this or that. I get it because I was there and guess what God did? He healed it. He brought it whole. Look at my dragon. And people see your life and they're like, man, if he can turn out like that, if he can make this, this God this, this bro's talking about, he must be pretty cool. This is why I remind people all the time, this is the best version of me you're ever going to get. It only goes downhill from here. And, and, it, and it's funny, right? And it's, and, it's, and it's modest. And it's all these kind of fun, cliche, cliche things. But the reality is, this is really it. Because I'm up here for 30 minutes prepared and ready to share on behalf of the Lord. But you get me stuck in traffic or in a situation that I don't understand, and I'm here to tell you, I turn into somebody else, and I hate it. I hate it. And I have to go back to God and say, God, prepare my heart. Overcome the things in my life that keep sticking with me. Overcome these dragons in my life. Show me how to be vulnerable. Show me how to be intimate. Show me how to be more than I am, God, because I want people not to see me, but to see you. I want them to see, oh, look at Danny. Oh, look what he did again. Oh, look at that. And then see me overcome it and then go, what happened? And I'm go, it's really easy. Here's how I tamed and overcame this dragon and now use it to bring glory to God. It's really, really, really simple. Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's always going to be Jesus. And we have to decide if we are going to allow these things in our lives to be in the way or to just let us do what we do. When I asked Ashley to come up and share during worship earlier in the week, she goes, well, like, what does that mean? Like, like how do you, what do you want me to say and what, how do you want me to do it? And I remember saying, well, in my notes, it says, Ashley just does what she does. And she was like, and I said, just do what you do. I'll clear the stage for three and a half minutes and you do you. And she's like, but, and I was like, no, like, go. (laughs) Is anybody confused by Ashley doing what she does? This is what it looks like when you overcome things in your life. You take risks and you step out. You just do it and everybody around you goes, that was powerful. That touched my heart. That meant something to me. This is what is waiting for many of you. This is what it looks like to live in harmony. I have never, this, this year, 2018, <laughs> has been the busiest, strangest, and I mean this, best year of my whole life. Best year of my whole life. I, I've, I've, I have healing happening in areas I never thought I would. I've got to see some things I never thought I would. Our church and the community, I learned some things. I fell apart three or four times. And I am overwhelmed by God's goodness in my life. And I am overwhelmed by the fact that he keeps using somebody like me. And every single time I walk on this stage, I hope you see nothing but less and less of me and more and more of him. Because then you and I both get to go, look at this dragon that God used. Look at this thing that God does. It's the brokenness of our lives that makes us beautiful. Some of you, you're not willing to really face that, and that's why you sit with the noise of your own thoughts instead of the songs of the encouragement of the Lord pushing you on to experience these things his life has laid out before you. 
Philippians 1.27 wraps up this kind of thinking that God has called us to live, surrounded by these dragons of glory, if you will. Paul says to them, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened. This is for those of you who are frightened. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. We are called to these battlegrounds. We are called to these wars. We are called to display the brokenness in our life that God has overcome, that has now become these dragons of great glory that belong to him. You want to be used by God? Fall apart. I'm going to say it again and again and again. You want to be used by God? Fall apart because he will put you back together differently than you can on your own and you'll give full credit to him and you won't have to worry about how big or how high or wherever he wants to take you because you'll know deep inside, I didn't do any of this. This is what it means, this first portion of the word dragon. The second one, the second one is different. Let's look at that same psalm, Psalm 91, 13. It says, you shall tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. Here, dragons represent the things standing opposed or against God. They represent these big ominous difficulties in the world, these big struggles, these big things that are keeping us from relationship with the Lord. Psalm 74, 12 through 14 says, For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Isaiah 27, in that day the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. And then, of course, probably one of the more famous dragon verses, Revelation 12, 9, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. This represents that dragon that stands against me, probably the one you first thought of, the one you're still carrying with you. This represents the world's opposition this represents evil's agenda. This represents spiritual attacks. This represents that, that reality that until you put yourself in a place to start worshiping something more than yourself, you will continue to dance the song this world sings. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 describes exactly what this looks like in great detail. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, and I, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These two approaches, this one right here specifically, 
is telling you that there are things in this world that God is going to conquer. And if you are on the side of the things in this world, then this is what it means, that by the end of your life, you will just be something God conquered. That's why it's so important for those of us on our spiritual journey, on our quest of belief, to ask the questions now the Holy Spirit has put in front of you. Because there will come a point where you stand facing God, facing the creator, facing the one who made you and gave life and gave the ocean and the trees and the verses and the sermons, who reminded you of how close he wanted to be, who you said, I'm not interested in, who one day you will have to stand before and proclaim your flag of uninterest that God will then honor as you get moved aside. This is beyond me and, 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 and something that, that angsts me to consider all of the people who have lived their lives Buying into this kind of lifestyle, worshiping this dragon, if you will, of convenience, this dragon of ease, this dragon of pride and reputation that, by the way, never lasts. My office is filled with successful people bringing me the heads of their dragons, divorce, the heads of their dragons, uh, uh, failed business, the heads of their dragons, failed identity, the heads of their dragons, uh, misplaced uh, emotion, the heads of their dragons, rage, the heads of their dragons, on and on and on. My office is littered with the heads of these dragons that wooed and convinced people out to a place of power because they felt weak. <sighs> the Bible says you must choose. You must choose, are you going to be a part of what God is doing and see these difficult things in your life as things to bring glory to him for, or are you going to dance with these things and become opposed to him and the rhythms of this world that he puts you in? There's one very simple story that illustrates exactly what it looks like. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6, and the preface is quite simple. The people of Israel are God's people. They're the church. And God's people are trying to do the best they can to maintain the covenants God has for them. But there's another group of people. In this story, it's the Syrians. The Syrians decide they want to conquer the people of the church, the people of God. And so they decide to go after them. They decide to hunt them. And so the king of the Syrians puts in place a plan to conquer the people of God. But there's a prophet that God's using, and his name is Elisha. And he uses him in a wonderfully specific way that illustrates perfectly these two dragons, the one that opposes God and the one that brings glory to God, the two that Scripture talks about so consistently. If you have a Bible, look at 2 Kings chapter 6. The verse will be up on the screen. It says, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. So he says, I'm going to set up a, 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 a booby trap. I'm going to set up a place to, to, to camp so that when the people of Israel come out, their army, they will be trapped. Verse 9, but the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel, listening to the man of God, sent to that place about which the man of God told him, and of course discovered that the king of Syria was there. Thus the king of Israel used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So multiple times, the king of Syria's strategy fell apart. Multiple times, the great dragon of opposition tried to attack God's people, and it fell apart. And finally, he gets so frustrated with himself, verse 11. It says, And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? 
Who's the spy? Who's sharing all my plans? My world's supposed to go a different way. I'm supposed to conquer those people. I'm in charge. I'm wise. I know what I'm doing. And I want to be in charge of this belief system and this way of acting. I want to say that this is what's right and this is what's truth. And so finally, as he can't seem to conquer the people of God, he finally turns on his own people and says, which one of you is telling them my plans? And I like the response of his servant, verse 12. And one of his servants said, none, my Lord. O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. (laughs) He says, somebody's reading your mind. Somebody's opposing the opposer. And so the king, infuriated, says, verse 13, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. And it was told, behold, he's in Dothan. So the king of Syria sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. The whole entire city where Elisha and his servant were at were surrounded by an entire army, an invading army, just to kill the one who was giving away the plans. Then it says verse 15. Now you've got to slow down with verses like this. You've got to imagine the young man waking up early in the morning, starting a fire, right? Peeks out his window, pretty sure he hears something says, the servant of man of God rose early in the morning and went out. And behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Do you, when you read this, are you really thinking this is how it went? Do you not think he woke up, went outside, saw them, came in, woke Elisha up in a panic and said, horses and chariots and death and so many problems We are done. We are over. I can't even believe this. I knew I should have signed up with that other prophet. (laughs) This is the dragon that opposes us. This is what many of us walk in this room with. This could be our faith. This could be our stuff. I don't care. It's the thing in your life that when you look up, you go, I'm just not going to be able to get past it. Too many horses, too many chariots, too many woundings, too much stuff. I can't do it. Never going to happen. I can't believe it. Why am I here right now? Elisha, he walks out, and I like to imagine he makes himself a hot cup of first century coffee. (laughs) That's what I like to imagine. And he's like, hmm, just a second, let me finish a little bit of my coffee. Then he walks out into the field, and he sees what the young man's seen. The young man's frustrated at this point. He's he's questioning his leadership, for sure. And Elisha says, hmm, that's interesting. He looks around because he knows that he's, he knows that this dragon's opposing him, but he knows that he has a God who is for him. And this is what he says, verse 16. He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I like to imagine there's a long 60-second pause right about here. <laughs> just steam of the coffee, lots and lots of the, the young man just, just frustrated and anxious, and just like all of us are when our problems don't go away right away. And then he simply says these words, and this is my prayer for some of you, and I hope it spiritually happens right now in your heart. Then Elisha prayed and said, verse 17, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of flippin' fire. All around Elisha. This is like straight from a video game. This is un. 
unbelievable. The chariots of fire are all around the entire surrounding area. And the young man suddenly like, give me some of that coffee. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> Woo! Right? I mean, think about the transition and, tra and transaction in this relationship. Because you have eyes to see. They have horses. We have fire horses. God is awesome that way. You bring something, God brings something else even better. He doesn't bring something different. He just goes, oh yeah, that, I'll do it better. Fire horses, unbelievable. Let's keep going. <laughs> so the Assyrians come, right? Here they come. And when the Assyrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. Listen to what he prays. Elisha is legit. He prays to the Lord and says, Lord, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them when they got to him, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. So this is the closest scriptural reference to a Jedi mind trick in the entire Bible. This is straight up Jedi. They stole it from Elisha because here they come down, right? And they're like, we're going to get them. We're going to get them. And they're looking for Elisha. And suddenly they're not blind like it's dark. They're blind like they don't recognize the person in front. And Elisha says, we are not the people you're looking for. This is not the city you'd want. Let me lead you to the city. Yeah, true story. True story. Let me lead you to the city that you're looking for. See, God is for us. When we're willing to open our eyes, God is for us. God is with us. This is what he's about. But you've got to face those dragons. You've got to see those issues, and you've got to let them get close. You've got to not just freak out and pretend they don't exist. No, they exist. They are real. But you've got to say, God, give me eyes to see why my faith is struggling. Give me eyes to see why I can't forgive. Give me eyes to see why I hurt so much. Give me eyes to see why this dragon will not leave me alone. God, make it something to bring glory for you within my story. So Elisha takes this entire army. Follow me. Think about, like, think, about, <laughs> think about being the manservant uh, in this story, right? His, his helper. Like, like, you don't want to give anything away. So Elisha's like, shut your mouth. You just shut your mouth. And he's like, like they're leading these guys who came to kill him to the wrong city. And he's like, you just be quiet. You just saddle the donkey and sit there with your mouth shut. Drink your coffee. You already woke me up bad. I don't want to talk to you anymore until we get to the next city. So they get to the next city. They get to the next city, which happens to be the stronghold of the king of Israel. And when the Syrians came down, that's where they went. He led them to Samaria, verse 20. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said to them, as they entered Samaria, right, as they entered the place, oh Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah excitedly, because he says it twice, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Can I kill them? You brought the whole army into town. They didn't even know. And then suddenly you open their eyes and they're just staring at Elisha, the servant, and a whole other army around them. How awesome is this? You delivered the dragon to me for me to kill. I will kill it. I will defeat it. This is where so many people make it 90% and then miss what Master Elijah is trying to teach you. God is the one who defeats dragons, not you. 
So God delivers these people, and he doesn't let them get killed. Actually, it's quite opposite. Verse 22, Elijah answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? No, set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. So he prepared a feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And this is the most profound, climactic verse of the entire passage. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. (laughs) Do you see, what God did is he allowed this dragon to be delivered to these people. And then what God showed them is the same thing that God's showing us. In the same way that you defeat darkness by feeding it light... We defeat the dragons in our lives, not by battling them through our own strength, but by feeding them the power of God. This is how you defeat dragons. This is how you find faith. You step out and feed them the power of God. You look back over your story and you see all the different times God provided for you. You look at all the different things in creation that speak to you different than anybody else. You lean into the harmony that is God's presence and you feed the power of God to the thing that is most broken about you. And then God fills it and heals it and sends it on its way as something that now belongs to you to bring glory to him. You don't think that those Syrians told everybody, you got to, like, for generations, remember when Pop Pop went and they like, they, like, conquered him and then gave him cake and sent him home? Like, we do not mess with the Israelites. We don't go there. Those aren't people we mess with. Their God is crazy. But this story brought glory to God, not to the Israelite king, and yet it protected him because it was a dragon conquered by the Lord. Your story can bring glory to God, but it's not supposed to bring glory to you, and you've got to feed these dragons in your life the power of God, the power of the cross, the power of Jesus. I have to feed these dragons inside my story that cause me to be insecure, that cause me to be broken, that cause me to to worry about things so that I can stand on a stage and give away as much power in the name of Jesus as possible. I will highlight every single church plant that I possibly can. I will tell you there are churches that are stronger for you than this one. There are churches that will meet your needs better in specific areas than this one. I'm just one guy with on a team with a bunch of people that just pray a lot, love God, sing about him, and keep giving away our own selves so that God can get the glory. That's this whole movement. That's this whole thing. Whether it stays this big or gets smaller or gets bigger means nothing. It means nothing. The only thing that matters is that God gets the glory for every single inch of it. And so I feed the dragons in my life. I feed it and I dance madly and I stay quiet and I love deeply and I ask for forgiveness. And God just keeps on using this is the only way I know to offer great healing in your life. It's through him and him alone. But you've got to feed the power of God and the story, the grace, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to every single thing that roars above you because I'm here to tell you he roars louder and usually with fire. This is why we praise. 
This is why we sing. This is why we dance. This is why we come together. This is why we are a community of busted up people doing something beautiful. It's all for him, and it's always been for him. So I want to close this service with just that, a song of great and mighty broken praise. So will you stand with me as we prepare our hearts for this moment? Heavenly Father, Lord, it's in this place right now that I know, I know, God, that you want to receive great praise from our broken stories. It's in this place right now that I know, Lord, you want to bring healing to hearts that have been searching, that have been alone, that have been disconnected. It's in this place right now, God, that you want to receive praise for the secrets we've never told. You want to receive praise for the damage we've done. You want to receive receive praise, God, for the stories that we've yet to live. God, you will take every single piece of who we are, who we've been, and who we are yet to be, and you will use it for your glory. And so, Lord, we just release your power into this place and into our lives. God, may you turn it inside out and upside down. May you turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. May you bring healing. May you bring hope. May you bring a future. May we proclaim you, God, bigger than the biggest problem we've ever faced in our life. For you are worthy, God. You are holy, God. You are the one who defeats. You are the one who discovers. You are the one who is lifted high. And I thank you, Lord, for loving me. I thank you for using us. I thank you, God, for listening to our song as we lift our voices and sing to you now. And all of God's people said, amen. Can we get God's